This is the Transcend Human Podcast, a weekly show where we learn what it means to rise above the human condition. We hope the conversation today is just what you need for the week ahead. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Transcend Human Podcast. Great to be with you. So we are fresh off a 14-episode series, which (laughs) it was a lot, Um, but we'll talk a little bit more about that here in a minute. But it feels good to be back, just doing one of those random, you know, one-off episodes on a topic that interests me. But before we get into all of that... um, Maybe we should do like a life update because I feel like we went into the transcending eschatology series. I put my head down and I literally just hit the ground running and didn't look up for 14 episodes. So here we are fresh off of that. And maybe we should just do an update on where things are at in our lives. So we are in our new house, new location. Um, I talked about it a little bit before we started this series. Um, We moved back in, what was it, June of this year, moved from Irvine, California to Corona, California. And I would say we're still not fully adjusted. Now, this is mainly because of the commute. So people who live in this area, all you have to say is the 91 and they automatically put their heads down and they're like, I am so sorry that you have to drive on that road (laughs) because it is terrible. I mean, sure, it depends on where you live, which direction you're going, and what time of the day you're going in that direction, but the road is always full. It doesn't even matter if it's off hours or whatever. You're still going to run into a hefty amount of traffic no matter what, and when it is during those small windows of time where traffic is really bad, it is really bad, so we're having to navigate that. Next, you have the heat. So again, people who live around here just understand that the temperature is one thing in Orange County. And the minute you get into the Inland Empire, you're looking at at least five degrees to 10 degrees hotter every single day. So we're also dealing with that. Now, supposedly this year is El Nino, right? So that's what I'm counting on. I'm hoping that El Nino is the cause for some of these extreme heat temperatures and that next year it'll at least drop three or four degrees, (laughs) but we'll see. Next issue, power consumption. Oh my goodness. So when we lived in Irvine, it didn't really matter when you ran your air, when you did dishes with the dishwasher or when you washed clothes, your electric bill always seemed to be in in a similar range and it never seemed out of control. Well, in the first first month of living in Corona, we realized that the whole concept of using appliances between the hours of 4 and 9 p.m. makes a huge difference. So we got an electric bill and it was over $400, probably mid 400s. And it was like, whoa, what just happened? So we did our research. We, you know, did a few things. I put some heat shielding film up on the windows to keep the heat from really baking the house, stuff like that, that I would definitely recommend um, if you live in a similar environment. 
and we got it figured out. We stopped running the air full blast between four and nine. We stopped doing laundry between four and nine and the bill came down enough to make us feel a little bit better about ourselves. So that was another thing. Uh, in terms of community, you know, we've actually met our neighbors, which is kind of cool. I can't really say that about Irvine. Um, although the housing setup we were in was kind of prohibitive in a way. We lived in townhouses and there weren't front yards or backyards for people to be out hanging out in. So most people just hung out in their houses. And so it makes it really difficult to have community um, in that environment. But we're back in a single home neighborhood with driveways and front yards and things like that. So there is a greater chance that we will run into our neighbors. Uh, in terms of church, we really haven't made that connection yet. Uh, and it's mainly our fault, just a lack of focus right now uh, in that area. So let's talk family. Uh, when it comes to me, I'm still working from home the majority of the time. I've been reading a lot lately. Um, my current library includes anything by Stephen King, Michael Crichton, or A.G. Riddle. Um, I'm in the middle of a novel called Origin right now by Dan Brown. It's pretty good. And I've also been reading nonfiction books, typically one or two um, while I'm reading fiction as well. So I recently completed Self-Editing for Fiction Writers by Rennie Brown and Dave King. Uh, that was more of a interesting book on how to write well and how to edit your own work. And I just got the book Revelation for the Rest of Us by Scott McKnight and Cody Matchett uh, in the mail the other day. So I'm looking forward to working through that. My wife um, is making that tough commute three to four times a week from Corona back into Orange County. So she's co-leading a growing nonprofit in Orange, California. It's called The Hub and it provides three major programs right now with more probably on the way. So they have a program for the unhoused in Orange. They provide after-school care to kids in the area and they have a thrift store uh, that helps offset the costs of the other two programs. It seems like she really likes what she's doing and just from watching from a distance, I feel like she's killing it. Uh, the community of Orange is thriving because of these services that they're providing. Our son Tyler just turned 19. Uh, he also gets to make the fun drive almost daily, either for work or college or because all of his friends still live in Orange County. Um, he recently bought himself a motorcycle, a sport bike, and he's been jumping through all of those hoops in order to ride it legally. Uh, he also decided to help coach the freshman football team at his old uh, high school. So that's been fun and he's been having a good time with that. Uh, Tammy and I still go over to Orange County and watch them play football on Friday nights. So that's been fun as well. Uh, Rachel, our middle child, is still in New York City, finishing up her degree in musical theater. Uh, she gets to deal with the fun weather right now that is happening on the East Coast, all the big storms with the flooding and all of that. Uh, but I think she's enjoying her time living in Brooklyn with her roommate and a cat that she just adores. So that's Rachel. Allie, our oldest, is living in San Diego. She's currently working for Mental Health America. And she's working on or studying for the LSAT. Um, she's going to take that this month and then um, continue to apply to law schools around the country. Uh, she also has a cat, one that she recently purchased with her boyfriend, making us grandparents, apparently. 
actually, no, let's not go there yet. Uh, when it comes to our foster license, some of you uh, remember me talking about us getting licensed for foster care and having a young one in the house uh, last year. So at the current moment, we are not using our foster license. Uh, we still see the little one that we had last year every now and then, uh, but we haven't taken in a new kiddo yet since moving to Corona. As it turns out, moving from one county to another is a problem, not necessarily for us, but for the foster care system. Uh, we had to have a new home study done. We filled out a bunch of paperwork and we were told it would be simple because we had moved to an adjoining county. So in a, a county touching the previous county. So it was supposed to be an easy process. But here we are. The wheels are still turning very slowly. So who knows how long it'll take until we'll be able to pick up where we left off there. And that's really it. It's pretty much it, friends. That's our life in a nutshell. So there you go. It's Tammy and me and Tyler just hanging out and very little with him, actually, because he's in Orange County most of the time. Um, but yeah, we're we're doing life and, and having a good time. So let's do something that we used to do all of the time, but we haven't done it for at least 14 episodes. And that is the minute of transparency. So minute transparency, just to remind you, it's just a short segment where I open up and talk about something important or something um kind of going on behind the scenes in my life. So today's I'm just going to call taking a deep breath. So this is actually going to be about the 14 episodes we just waded through because like I said, it was a lot. Uh, and when I published the last episode, I literally sat back and took a deep breath because I felt like I had been holding my breath since we started the journey back in early April. I physically pushed my office chair back from the desk watched the episode save, and then let out a breath and thought, wow, that was something. Now, I'm not going to spend much time talking about it because I feel like that's how we ended the last episode, right? I walked through the reasons why I did the series and what I hope to accomplish. So there's really no need to beat a dead horse. But the reason for the deep breath goes all the way back to the beginning. The fact that I chose to do the series in the first place. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge fan of eschatology. I came by it honestly, right? I grew up Seventh-day Adventist, which that right there is a huge part of that belief system is a belief about uh, Bible prophecy, the end of time, eschatology, all of those things. I also spent a pretty big chunk of my mid-20s researching the various interpretations in order to really clear up some of the questions that I had in my mind. And like the rest of you, I love a good apocalyptic movie or television series every now and then. They just capture my, at my attention. The idea that the world is about to end unless the hero is able to save the day. Harry Potter defeats Voldemort. Frodo takes the One Ring to Mount Doom. Luke Skywalker blows up the Death Star. And it just goes on and on. They draw me in because of the high stakes. The possibility of evil winning over good. But the truth was... I had the fascination, but it was personal, internal. It wasn't something that I spent a lot of time talking to other people about. To me, I was just following one of the most common social rules that there is. The two things you don't talk about are what? Politics and religion. And in eschatology, there turns out to be quite a bit of both. So I just kept it to myself until I didn't. And that's the funny part. 
why did I decide to do an entire series on it and one on a public podcast, no less? Maybe it was my way of fighting my own fears, a fear that people would judge me for my beliefs or a fear that it would turn people off or alienate them in some way. But whatever the case, I bit the bullet, I took the plunge, and the rest is history. I tried my hardest to be open-minded, to talk about things from a variety of perspectives, but at the end of the day, it was pretty clear that I have my preferred interpretation. So all of that was going through my head when I pushed my chair back and let out that deep breath. Looking back, I'm glad I did it. But at the same time, I'm also glad it's over. So we'll talk more about that feeling in today's topic. But that said, let's wrap up this little minute of transparency and get to it. Today's topic, transcending the horse collar. Chapter one, it ain't just for horses. Chapter two, feeling the drag. And chapter three, reaping the benefits. Chapter one, it ain't just for horses. So if you do a Google search for horse collar, the bulk of your search results will be collars for horses. Stands to reason, right? Now, for those of you who don't know what that is, I'll allow Wikipedia to explain. A horse collar is a part of a horse harness that is used to distribute the load around a horse's neck and shoulders when pulling a wagon or plow. The collar often supports and pads a pair of curved metal or wooden pieces called hames, to which the traces of the harness are attached. The collar allows the horse to use its full strength when pulling, essentially enabling the animal to push forward with its hindquarters into the collar. Brilliant, but not exactly what I'll be talking about today, because this term is also used in American football. It's a penalty referred to as the horse collar or the horse collar tackle. According to the NFL rulebook, Rule 12, Section 2, Article 16, no player shall grab the inside collar or the back or the side of the shoulder pads or jersey or grab the jersey at the nameplate or above and pull the runner toward the ground. This does not apply to a runner who is in the tackle box or to a quarterback who is in the pocket. So that said, why am I using this as our topic for today? No clue, tell you the truth. Uh, but maybe it's because I love football and it's football season. I watch the NFL, and not just my favorite team, the Denver Broncos. I'll watch 80% of the games because there is typically a team playing that I enjoy watching. I like watching the LA Rams and the LA Charter Chargers because they are teams from our area, and you hear a lot about them in the news all the time. I like watching the Chiefs because of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. I like watching the 49ers because of the way Brock Purdy came in as a complete rookie last year and is 9-0 in regular season games since then. I like watching the Dallas Cowboys play just to see if they can live up to the hype, the big names and the huge salaries that they typically have on their roster. And I was even excited to see what Aaron Rodgers would do this year with the New York Jets. Although, unfortunately, that ended in the first four minutes of the first game. And then there's college football. For most of my life, I would I probably would have told you that I could care less about college sports, but living in South Bend, Indiana, as long as we did, it took a toll on me. And I eventually became a Notre Dame fighting Irish fan because again, it's all you hear about and it's all you see. And I'll still watch them today. If the game is on, 
This year, it's also been fun watching the CU Boulder games with primetime Deion Sanders coaching and his sons playing their hearts out. And then there are the college teams where we actually know players on the team. As our kids and their friends grow up and go away to college, some of them actually continue to play. So it's fun to watch them play at the next level. But what does all this have to do with the horse collar tackle and our topic for today? Only this. The horse collar tackle is a penalty in football. It happens when a player grabs another player by the shoulder pads or around the neck area and drags the player to the ground. If you've ever seen one, you'll understand why they made it a penalty. Because the player going to the ground often does so in a very strange way. The legs tend to twist in a strange way, and as a result, the player taking them down often lands on the other player's legs as the two are going down to the ground, which is how a lot of things become penalties over time. If a repetitive play seems to cause injuries a lot of the time, it typically becomes a penalty and is added to the rule book. Similar to this are the recent rules about targeting and helmet to helmet contact. Now this used to be a staple in football, right? The harder you hit someone, the better. And if they didn't get up right away, good job, you hit them hard enough. And then we learned about concussions and how they were happening. And so helmet to helmet hits and targeting the head became infractions, capable of getting you not only a penalty, but even thrown out of the game. So obviously we're not gonna talk about the horse collar tackle at length today, but I want to use it as an illustration for something bigger, something that we all go through from time to time. Those times when there is something that seems to be dragging us down, something that keeps us in this awkward position, maybe a little bit off balance, and things that can cause us harm in the end, in certain circumstances. Chapter two, feeling the drag. Okay, so let's get practical here and talk about a few categories of horse collar tackles that we might experience in everyday life. Tackle number one, we'll call addiction. So this should be no surprise to any of us, right? Nothing has the power to drag us down like an addiction or a bad habit, something that started out all fun and games, but over time it just kept sinking its hooks in deeper and deeper into your soul until you couldn't imagine doing life without it. For me, this was alcohol, fun and games for a long time. But at some point the switch flipped and it just wasn't fun anymore. It had become a necessary part of my life, a daily routine that either had to happen or the world was going to feel off kilter. Like, oh, we're going to so-and-so's house tonight. I wonder if there's going to be alcohol. Or, oh, we're going camping or on vacation for five days, six days. How on earth am I going to keep my alcohol content intake happening, being away from home for that long? Or the worst, how many have I had? I'm pretty sure I can still drive, right? See where that's going? the energy and the anxiety involved in simply living day to day. That's the feeling I'm talking about being dragged down awkwardly to the point where you hit the ground or even get injured for others. Maybe it's pornography, gambling, drugs, or even positive endeavors like becoming wealthy or successful only to start feeling the drag at some point along the way. My wife really wanted us to watch suits on Netflix. So we started watching it, but it didn't take long for me to start getting annoyed by it. 
it's just for me hard to watch because of the way it promotes and sensationalizes the lives of these cutthroat attorneys, the flashy, splashy lives, and the way they stretch the legality of the law in order to get what they want. All fun and games, right? Without showing the drag, the way that it impacts them over time. If anything, the negative is used as a badge of honor. Things like being divorced or not having enough time or enough friends um, because of the demands of the job, all badges of honor, which allow them to be successful and powerful. To me, just another addiction. Tackle number two, social media. So I thought about adding this to the list of addictions because for me, it feels very similar at times, right? It, the fact that there were times I deleted it off my phone only to then give in and add it back a week later, right? That's kind of how an addiction works. It's how my addiction to alcohol worked, right? For some people, they might agree with me, right? They might feel that addiction to opening Instagram or TikTok every time they get a notification. But I broke social media out into its own tackle because it's not the addictive part I want to focus on. It's more the content. So at first we recognized that social media could be damaging because it was someone's highlight reel, right? It's the positives from people's lives. People didn't post about the problems they were having or the bad hair days. No, of course not. It's the amazing food, the dance clubs, the new cars, the vacations, all of those things made it to the highlight reel. It's all the good stuff, right? It's this facade that people build in order to show that they have it all together, that we're living our best lives. And this still exists. But at some point, something new started to emerge. We'll call this tackle number three. It's the anger outbursts and the polarizing content on social media. So I'm not even going to try to sugarcoat this one. I'm going to blame Twitter 100%. It's a platform that allows people to yell something in less than 140 characters, right? Something you're angry about or a way to make fun of someone or call someone out or make a dogmatic statement about how something is overly political or religious. Um, maybe it's to threaten a person or a group of people or spread misinformation, tell lies, things like that. Now, to be fair, people can post things like, I just ate my first bowl of oatmeal since I was a child. <laughs> and maybe people do. I don't know. But that's not the norm. That's not what the platform is used for most of the time. It's used for hot takes. And it isn't just Twitter these days. TikTok, to me, is the ultimate platform for all of the things I just mentioned above. And it's 100% more engaging and addictive. Video is just going to be more engaging than text no matter what. It's a psychological fact. And the For You page is magic, right? It just keeps pumping content into the For You page, one video after another. And it's like they seem to know you, right? We haven't even talked about social media algorithms yet. How AI is used to watch your behavior and learn from you, the things you seem to like, the places you go, the accounts you frequent. And with this knowledge, they begin curating content just for you and feeding it to you through your For You page. Now, this is dangerous because you very quickly start to think that the world thinks like you because everything you're seeing is just spitting back the same ideas that you have in your own head. Tackle number four, hyper-focus on the negative. 
Now, I'm sure there are many other tackles that we could talk about, but I'll end with this one. And the idea is pretty simple. So the idea behind this is that we start filling our lives and our minds with things that are negative versus positive. And the more we fill our minds with these negative things, the more we start to feel that drag, that awkward drag downward. Now, it could happen just by watching too much news. I mean, this was definitely an issue back during COVID, right? All of it was negative. The COVID death counts, uh, the fear mongering about going outside, the constant restrictions and closures, the police shootings, the looting, protests, riots, the vaccine and the drama over whether it's good or bad, all of the conspiracy theories that came up during that time. And then you had the political problems and the increased polarization in the country, all the negative things all the time. Or maybe it's getting on the wrong side of TikTok for too long. So the algorithm, you know, starts pushing that content post after post after post about how bad the other side of the aisle is, right? Those terrible mega people or those far left liberals that want us to become communists. Or maybe you get caught up in deconstruction TikTok because it's what you looked at for a while. And now all of a sudden, all you're seeing are people deconstructing and the world feels like everyone is losing their religion. Whatever the case, after too much of that content, you start to feel the drag. For me, even doing the Transcending Eschatology series had a little bit of an impact. So Bible prophecy isn't the most uplifting part of the Bible, right? I mean, it's a little dark. Of course, it's also a good thing, right? We find out that God wins and that at some point in time, all of the pain and all of the sorrow of this world will go away. But at the same time, the world isn't going to get better between now and then. Revelation speaks about one world governments, forced worship, deception, persecution, manipulation, death decrees. And then you have the seven last plagues, which are said to be worse than anything the world has ever seen before. I mean, this stuff isn't for the faint of heart, like we, like we talked about. So even that made me feel the drag for a while. So there you go, four horse collar tackles that we can experience in life. But before we get to chapter three, let's, let's do one thing here. Let's talk for a minute about what it means to feel the drag. What does the drag actually feel like? What does it actually do to us? Now, I'm assuming that it impacts each of us in a different way, and there may be hundreds of ways that these tackles drag us down in life. But here are just four of the ways that I've experienced in my own life. So the first is the drag on our mental health. So this could be as simple as a decreased level of joy or happiness in life, or it could be a full-blown depression. It could be irritability, or it could be full-blown anger outbursts, or it could be some worrying or some nervousness all the way up to debilitating anxiety that keeps us from trying new things. But at the end of the day, these things can have a drag on our mental health. Number two, the drag on our productivity. So maybe you start to lose focus in school and your grades start to drop, or maybe at work, you just aren't quite as excited about getting there in the morning. Um, and work starts to become a drag and very draining. Maybe it's the side hustle or the passion project that you were doing in your free time. And now you're finding it hard to even think about that anymore. So definitely a drag on your productivity. Number three, the drag on our hope. 
Now I'm going to tie this one directly back to tackle number four, which was the hyper-focus on negativity. Because when this one starts to drag us down, it's really hard to be hopeful. It's hard to see a future that is bright or positive at all. And if that's the lens that we're looking through, then it will definitely impact our present because we'll start to view things today as either irrelevant or unimportant, given the fact that tomorrow is what it is. With the end time stuff, if you get too caught up in that, you can start ignoring the little things going on right now, the people, the relationships, and living a life today that has an impact for good for the people today, regardless of what happens with the world. And number four is the drag on our relationships. So this one is less about us, and it's more about the way our issues start to impact those around us. When others start to notice a difference in us, and they call us out, telling us that something has changed and that we don't seem like ourselves anymore. Now, this one hits close to home because my wife is an Enneagram 7, and there's nothing worse for an Enneagram 7 than being around people who are negative. So it becomes very important for me to monitor my negativity and my negativity meter, if you want to call it that, on a regular basis in order to maintain balance in the relationship. Now, like I said, there are countless ways that people feel the drag, but those are just four of the ones that I wanted to highlight. Chapter three, reaping the benefits. So the obvious question is this, now what? What do we do about the horse collar tackles in our lives that keep dragging us down? In the NFL, when you experience a horse collar tackle, it has immediate negative side effects, right? You lose your momentum, you get dragged down, and you get put in a position where you could potentially become injured. However, there is a silver lining because there is a penalty associated with a horse collar tackle, not on you, but on your opponent. The penalty for a horse collar tackle is loss of 15 yards and an automatic first down, which kind of means you're back in business, right? You are now 15 yards farther down the field and you're back to first down. In life, we could say it like this. Instead of gaining yardage, in life, you go through the drag and then you can find yourself further ahead than you may have been without it. And instead of the first down, in life, after the drag, you find that your tank might be more full. You might have more energy than the energy you lost. Now, as I see it, we have three options when it comes to the horse collar tackles we face in life. First, we can ignore the problem and just keep fighting against the tackle. Number two, we can realize that there's a problem and we can begin to moderate. And number three, we can determine that the tackle has the potential to injure us and we can stop it altogether. Okay, I'm gonna give you examples from my life for at least the last two and then we'll be done. First, for moderation. So I've played the moderation game in a number of areas of my life, but probably the most obvious is when it comes to social media. So I've been on multiple platforms over the years, typically three to four at the same time, just like most of you probably have. And every now and then it starts to feel like one is becoming a bit of a drag. So what do I do? I try to moderate it. And if that doesn't work, I eventually delete the app off my phone for a while. I'm still on social media, 
but I'm trying to limit the time on the ones that seem to be taking over my life. I still want the social interaction and the positive content that I see about friends and about family, but I don't want the manipulation that comes from AI and the algorithms. Now, obviously, this is getting harder and harder to do. I mean, I absolutely love the TikTok platform, but at some point in time, it had to go, right? So it's no longer on my phone. I went back to Instagram. That's my current platform. But at some point, I have a feeling it's going to have to go as well. They're just making it harder and harder for me to control the content that I really want to see. At the end of the day, we're seeing more and more content because they want us to see it, not because we want to see it. It's either an advertisement or it's because AI has determined what it thinks we should see. And neither of these are very good things. Second, I want to talk about sobriety. So with alcohol, there was no such thing as moderation for me. And for those who struggle with an addiction, that's the part that becomes painfully obvious at some point, right? You try to stop and you fail over and over again until you start to lose hope. And in situations like these, there is no moderation. Oh, I'm just going to drink a beer and, and stay away from hard alcohol. Well, good luck with that. At the end of the day, many of us came to the stunning conclusion that moderation doesn't work. Only sobriety does, at least when it comes to a full-blown addiction like alcoholism. For you, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's gambling. I don't know. But sometimes you just have to stop doing something altogether in order to get to the other side, in order to get your 15 yards and the automatic first down. Let's land the plane. Friends, first off, that was fun for me, right? It's good to be back just talking about a felt need topic. Um, I think we'll do this for a while, uh, but I also have another project that's in the works, one that at some point I want to run by you. But the problem is it isn't fully baked, so it might be a little while, but I just wanted to put you on notice anyway. It's a project that would slightly alter the format of the podcast and possibly move the content in a different direction. But like I said, no decisions have been made at this point, so it's just business as usual. Again, a huge thanks to those of you who stuck with us through the End Times series. I know it was a pretty big diversion, but I just want to thank you for allowing me to do that. At the end of the day, it was as much for me as it was for you guys and for the audience. Um, but at the same time, I have to believe that it was exactly what some people wanted to hear and needed to hear. And even if it only helped one or two people, it was definitely worth the effort. So in a similar way, I hope this episode was helpful to someone. Um, I hope it found its target. Um, so thanks again for joining us. Um, have a great week, everybody. And as we always say, keep transcending human. Music